Oh, hi, Jamie. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Agent M. How are you? Sorry, I can't talk to you right now. I'm playing Marvel Strike Force on my phone. Oh, this is going great. You know, in Marvel Strike Force, be ready for battle alongside allies and arch rivals in this action-packed, visually stunning, free-to-play game for your phone or tablet. Come on, son! I love this game! (laughs) Step it up! This game is so fun. Uh, I have literally been playing it a bunch today before we're recording in my alliance, which is called, get this, y'all, This Week in Marvel. Oh, easy to find because it's our podcast name. Yeah, you can actually search it. We have, I think, two or three open slots if you want to join This Week in Marvel. It's invite only. You can request an invite. You can assemble your squad using Marvel characters like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Loki, Venom, Elektra, Captain America, and Iron Man. Yes, it is, like I'm saying, super duper fun. I have 45 characters. In my roster of squads. That is quite a team. Yeah, it's a lot. But I, I think my favorite team right now is still my four defenders, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Iron Fist, and Ultimus. Because I'm a sneaky cat and I have Ultimus, the main villain in the game. Why isn't Sneaky Cat a character? Oh my gosh. Because that would be a great playable character. Can we get Ryan North on the line? Sneaky Cat (laughs) sounds like a terrific unbeatable Squirrel Girl side character. If you make Sneaky Cat a character, I will learn how to play video games just to play Marvel Strike Force. Because this game has groundbreaking gameplay cinematics as your heroes unleash dynamic chain combos and team-ups with a single tap. And you can level up heroes' abilities to bring more power to the fight, all at the tip of your fingers. And Marvel Strike Force is now available on the Apple App Store, Google Play Store, so download it for free. Marvel Strike Force, heroes only. Download today. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 340. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Jamie Frevely, and I don't have a code name. <laughs> Didn't we come up with something? No. I thought it might be funny to go by alias Jamie Joan, mm. because Joan is my middle name. Spot on. But This Week in Marvel is where we're going to talk about some Marvel things, and we got some big news. It was a heck of a weekend. Yeah. And a couple days following, because... In the wake of the biggest global opening of all time for Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War, we have a new trailer and a new poster for Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp. If you haven't seen it, also check out the teaser Mm. for the trailer that came out the day before alongside the poster. We should have it all on Marvel.com. But the teaser was the different stars of Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War being like, where's Ant-Man? And it's, it's really funny. Scarlett Johansson has a great line, and I will not spoil it if you've not seen it. Okay. But speaking of Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War, earlier this year, I went to the warehouse where prop master and super cool dude, Russell Bobbitt, creates and stores all the amazing props for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's like, yeah, your eyes are like, what are you talking? Yeah, it is. What did you touch? What did uh, you touch there, Ryan? I touched so many things, (laughs) things that maybe haven't been on screen yet. Things that I cannot talk about, but stuff that I can talk about, you can actually see because we have released a video 
one of several videos. Uh, I shot some stuff for Earth's Mightiest Show. I shot some stuff for us on This Week in Marvel. And I did do a long-form interview with Russell that we're going to use a little bit later in the year. We talk about his early career. He has stories, and he's done so many movies, and now he's such a an integral part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But his career is amazing, and he is the sweetest dude. But back to Avengers uh, and all the props from the various movies, like Black Widow's new staff that she uses mm-hmm. in uh, in the film. That was very cool. He has like various versions. So what it does, it's a full long staff, and you can split it apart so it's two smaller batons. Kind of like almost. Daredevil's billy clubs. Kind of. But they're, like lasery in Russian. <laughs> they're like that. But they also, you can hit someone and wrap it wraps around them. Like a snap bracelet. Exactly like a snap bracelet. That's Except what Russell it can said. can really hurt you. Yeah. One of the versions Like that, a snap bracelet. Yeah. One of the versions that we had was full metal and he like snapped it on my arm gently. But if he had gone much harder with it, that would have broken a bone. That's like the lethal version of the Back to the Future sneakers that tie up themselves. That's so cool. Yeah, there were so many cool things. You could check out the video on Marvel's YouTube. I had a lot of fun. He's kind of the coolest person, and he's got so many fun toys. Did you put your hand inside of a gauntlet? An infinity gauntlet. I declined to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You just came in secrets. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to give you all, listeners, heads up about Marvel's The Pull List. Because we got some cool stuff happening with that show, which is me and Tucker Marcus. We're going to have video coming. Oh, my goodness. You mean your handsome mugs are going to be on camera? Definitely mugs. Not sure about handsome. Uh, (laughs) We're also going to have a new feed coming for the show, which means if you subscribe to This Week in Marvel for a while, we're going to keep giving you episodes of Marvel's The Pull List. But eventually, we're going to keep them separate. So you have to subscribe to both. Different shows, different stuff. We'll, we'll keep giving you warnings, but it's a fun thing. Uh, you can see me and Tucker. And actually, the video version is going to be a little bit different than the audio version. So you got to have both of them in your life. Yeah, well, I'd have to think that with the video version, you're going to get a little preview of some of the art that's in some of these books that are coming out. So Yeah, fun differences that we're going to put into each version of the show. Visual mediums, you guys. Yeah. Really, visual media. Yeah, like sculpting and, and bocce ball. we got to have it in there. I mean, we got to use the space. <laughs> Yes. Uh, all right. So that that is about Marvel's The Pull List. Stay tuned for that. We'll let you know. We'll put a link in the show notes when that launches officially. Oh, while I was away and after our episode with him released, Andrew WK had tweeted uh, a link to the video of the interview I did with him, which was really sweet. But he's, he asked his fans, who parties harder, Hulk or Squirrel Girl? And pretty much most everyone said Squirrel Girl. Yeah. I think because Andrew WK is a softie. At his core, which I think is really sweet. He was actually kind enough to name drop me and I was not even there, <laughs> which thank you so much, Andrew WK. My friends got a real kick out of that. <laughs> then I had to go explaining to them. Sorry, guys. But uh, yeah, I, I have to think that Squirrel Girl is just a little more ruthless than Andrew WK, who is nice. <laughs> I, I don't want to go ruthless. I think she just likes to party. She, yeah. She's got that tail. She can bounce around. She's full of energy. She eats nuts and kicks butts. She's the best. I mean, when you're powered by protein like that, yes. you just keep going and going. 100%. So I, I just wanted to shout out Andrew WK because he's awesome. I have been away for a couple of weeks, so it's been a little bit since I've done one of my weird food tweets. Yeah. I, I actually like the sound of this one a lot. Yeah. It's, you sure? It's checking on my boxes. Okay. So it's, uh, you guys can tweet 
to me sage butter whiskers. Mm. So really like mm. you get that sage butter in your mouth and then you feel the hairs just like inside on your tongue mm. and like tickling your throat and you're just like, no. But anyway, sage butter whiskers. Whiskers. And tweet to me using hashtag This Week in Marvel. And uh, before May 11th, maybe something cool happens. You know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, well, when I hear the words together, sage butter whiskers, I know that it's supposed to be like a kind of a funky food feeling, but I think about it like a buttery cat, like a cream-colored buttery cat whose name is Sage and is very wise. Oh, that's cute. So I have nice images of sage butter whiskers, whereas you have a disgusting mouthfeel. <laughs> that speaks I to both. who we are. Yeah, it really does, because I, I just eat my food really fast. It's not good for you. I know. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for us to talk about our picks of the week on Marvel's The Pull List. Tucker and I talked about a bunch of books. I picked Avengers number one and Spider-Man number 240. I picked You Are Deadpool number one, and it is the most super fun exercise in relinquishing self-control. Yes. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to go first with Avengers number one because this is a big deal. This is a huge kickoff for us. You've heard uh, Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sobolski talk about, you know, how Avengers number one is really the start of a big push for us. New beginnings, new creative teams, you know, new directions, all that kind of fun stuff. And this is this is the start of it. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out, which I found really neat, was at the top of the cover, under the number, the big number one, it says Marvel, it says one, and it says LGY number 691, and that's the legacy numbering, 691. I know there are fans who like the old numbering, there are fans who like the new numbering, and this oh, way it, it gives you the best of both worlds. This is the new number one that starts you off on this path, but it also tells you that you know there's a great legacy and history behind this issue. Uh, and then we go, you open it up and boom, talk about legacy and history. One million years ago is when the book starts. That's so many comic books ago. It's, so, it's like five comic books ago. And we, we get to see the prehistoric Avengers, this team that Jason Aaron helped introduce way back in Marvel Legacy number one about a year ago. But this team is so cool. You've got Agamotto. So you know the eye of Agamotto. This is the dude Agamotto with his eye, like little hang, you know, his bling around his neck. You've got a ghost rider. You've got an iron fist, a black panther. You've got the wielder of the Phoenix Force. You've got a caveman who has the power of the star brand, is basically like this hulked up dude, plus Odin. Just Odin. Straight up Odin. Straight up Odin. He's got Mjolnir, he's got some mead, he's ready to go to the bone zone, he's ready to fight. He's got he's... braids in his beard. Yeah. He means business. What is? What did a prehistoric ghost rider ride? Uh, woolly Mammoth. Of course, what was I thinking? Yes. It's got to be the Woolly Mammoth. Everything about this is cool. And what are they doing? They're fighting Celestial Host. That is one of the coolest things. Celestials are these giant Jack Kirby creations, these big, massive space gods, essentially. And they have cool names like Arishem, and they just can wipe out planets if they want to. And they're really neat, awesome, very weird designs. This issue is written by Jason Aaron. Art by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, colors by David Curiel, and letters by Corey Petit. And it is a dynamite team. Uh, on the pull list, I talked about how much I love having a guy like Ed McGinnis draw this book because he draws larger-than-life 
characters. His heroes, his villains, his muscular characters are so big. You look at the cover even, and you've got Jen Walters Hulk. I mean, She-Hulk is there and she's just like rippling muscles and Odinson is there with, he's got his hammer, he's got the gold arm, he's got his big old beard, ready to roll. Everything looks so cool and so big under Ed's penciling. But you also have those great moments where I'm looking at a conversation between Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, Odinson. They're hanging out together in a bar, having some drinks, talking about the good old days, talking about the maybe future stuff that they're going to do. You've got broody Odinson. Uh, You've got handsome as a whip Steve Rogers. Uh, You've got snarky Tony Stark. Ed can draw these moments so well and give such character and such emotion like the way he draws tony's face in the different scenes you've got tony here with his eyebrows raised or here and he's like frustrated as all get out or here he's angry and he's snapping a little uh the little umbrellas that you get in the drinks oh like the little tiny cocktail umbrellas yeah yeah those he's snapping one of those it's it just everything that ed does gets me fired up he's also a huge wrestling fan he and i have talked about ra- the wrestling a bunch wrestling <laughs> yep uh and i think that helps him when he's you know when you think about someone who can draw big characters big action to me comics and wrestling go hand in hand it's forever storytelling it's these larger than life characters it's heroes who become villains who become heroes it's characters returning and going away it's there's so many similarities and and having that background Makes a lot of sense. Jason, also huge wrestling fan. So I, I want to know their conversations. Like, are they talking wrestling in between talking, you know, about the fate of the universe with the Celestials and all this other stuff? Wrestling is the soap operas for men. Hey. They're the soap operas for men. It's the soap men. operas for everyone. And also, the soap operas are for everyone. I grew up on some Guiding Light. I grew up on some General Hospital, but that was unintentional. One thing I actually do like about comics in general but a really great artist like this is the the shift in tone how you go from the caveman action Mm -hmm. to that scene in the bar and it's completely seamless like it's a shift but it's not jarring it's just these guys that you recognize going from one time to another and it's just nice it makes for a good reading experience yeah and this is this is the first part this is kicking things off we see the team on the cover but they're not together yet so you're going to get this this great story of them all coming together to face what the Avengers always face, something that no hero can fight on their own. The, the, the mission statement is said to us in this big spread here. And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest heroes found themselves united against a common threat. On that day, the Avengers were born to fight the foes no single superhero could withstand. And let me tell you, the foes in here, they're biggins. They're biggins. Biggins. They're big scary. Yeah. Now, Jamie. Yeah. Tell me about <laughs> You Are Deadpool. Oh, man. Okay. So if you are a comic book reader who uh, likes a nice linear story and likes to just flip one page to the next without much thought, this is not the comic book for you. This is the comic book for you if you like the adventure books, like choose your own adventure, if you are old school like we are, and also maybe if you need an exercise in being less of a control freak because reading through this comic book, Deadpool actually tells you which panel to turn to, not page, but panel. So if you're going through it, keep that in mind, but they're all numbered. You can literally cut up a page of this and turn it into a Deadpool die, which I believe is trademarked. 
Deadpool trademarked. It, Deadpool, I'm sure. yeah. Not I'm, us. We're not that smart. But he needs, Deadpool. He needs to make that money. Yeah. So Al Ewing wrote this story. Oh, thank you. I didn't even get to the creators. Yeah, Al Ewing wrote this, but Kieran Gillen. Yes. Is in he's this in book, <laughs> which makes me so happy because uh, Kieran is a friend and he's holding a sandwich, and that's sort of irrelevant to many things. But it, I've just never seen Kieran hold a sandwich. It's a submarine sandwich, and it may or may not be used as a weapon, but mm. you will have to read this to find out. You the will choice also, is yours. The choice is yours. You have to choose the right path in, in order to see it being used as either a sandwich or a weapon. And the artist on this book is Salva Espin, who's done a ton of Deadpool books over the years. Salva is one of those artists who does really great things with Deadpool's mask. And his eyes, you know, the way he he draws the the white part of the mask is almost like he just moves it around, shifts it, gives it a lot of depth of character for, you know, someone who's just wearing a mask. One of my favorite parts of Deadpool is how his face changes despite having a mask on. But yeah, you go through this book and you can build up a badness score, mm-hmm. a sadness score. You got to keep track. I suggest bringing along a notepad or a perhaps a napkin and a pen to write things with. May I offer a different suggestion? Buy three copies of this comic book. Also a good idea because you are instructed in one path to literally cut it to shreds. Yeah. Yeah. So you need one copy as sort of your your manual, your game board, whatever it is. One copy for your score. One copy to make your Deadpool die. That's right. And basically, this is it's a combination adventure book, board game, role playing, dice playing game, which I didn't play because my nerddom was with Ghostbusters and horror movies and old school comedians. I love Ghostbusters. Uh, There's a lot of cool things about this. Like, it's so fun. Like, it is seriously just don't try to read the entire thing. Follow the path, follow the directions that you're being taken on. You could always try it again. But when you go through it the first time, just don't try to read every panel. Seriously, listen to Deadpool. It's probably not something that's good for everyday advice, but in the context of reading this comic, just listen to Deadpool. Let him take you on this crazy journey. Yeah, so you, you're going to get bounced around this issue. Like a role-playing game, you you can pick up things that your character can later use. And this is a five-issue series, so like this is going to go on for a bit, and the story is going to morph and do really cool things. It's it's such a neat idea. I'm so glad that we were able to put this together and make this a real thing. Highly, highly recommend. Yeah, and special shout-outs here to Annalise Bisa and Jordan D. White, who are the editors on this book, because I've been trying to wrap my head around just this issue f- since I first read it, and, and they're the ones keeping it together with Al Ewing and Salva, and it's just... Many, many props. Many, many props. It's all the props. Brilliant. Speaking of props, I have to give infinite props to Brian Michael Bendis because this is his farewell to Miles Morales in Spider-Man number 240, my second pick of this week, narrowly beating Rogan Gambit for me in Infinity Countdown. But I have such a strong connection to Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, Miles Morales, really the work of Brian Michael Bendis. He was so integral into really reestablishing my love for for comics um coming back in and and sort of starting to read oh this ultimate spider-man book is really good and and discovering that and then getting back into comics when i was you know in college i started reading a lot of brian's stuff and then over the years having known brian and you know my wife and i are in our process for the adoption stuff and we're awaiting family and all this stuff 
And Brian has been through it. He has a beautiful family. And he, numerous times he has just said, come visit us in Portland. See what our life is like, because it's just like any life. But ask my kids questions, talk to us, see like all this stuff. So I have a very deep love for for Brian and what he does. Also, he's an amazing friggin' writer. Yeah, I find myself whenever I'm like loving a comic, it's usually written by Brian Michael Bendis. Luckily, he's got amazing collaborators that he's always worked with. On this issue, you have artist Oscar Basil Dua, who's been on Spider-Man the last year or so, has uh, been knocking out of the park. Laura Martin with Matt Mila and Peter Pantazis on colors, uh, which is really special as well because Justin Ponsor has been a colorist on this book. And Justin Ponsor is an amazing, amazing color artist. But he's battling some illness of his own. And we have been trying to help him and do some things. And we're pulling for him. Justin is an amazing dude. So they helped out in a pinch here. We do get to see Sarah Pakeli and Justin Ponsor do the final page of art here, which is really special. It is just an emotional page because it's Sarah and Brian co-created Miles. And, and letting them say goodbye to it together was really fantastic. Sarah is, of course, working on Fantastic Four with Dan Slott. So she's super busy. See that last page come together. And it's a really beautiful page about characters and friends and family. Oh, man. You know? Sarah Pichelli's another one where if I'm reading it and I'm like, who drew this? It's perfect and it's beautiful. It's almost always Sarah Pichelli. Yeah. This issue has a little bit of action. Uh, it's sort of the end of the story of where Miles and the champions were fighting Miles's uncle, his uncle Aaron, who had this this spider suit, who was trying, they, they hijacked a helicarrier and were selling it to Liberia. It's great big story, big, seemingly tragic stuff happened. But Miles gets injured gravely. And oh, so no. the bulk of the issue is Miles in bed, in a hospital room. And Brian is such a master of conversation, of dialogue, of characters interacting. And what is really interesting about this one is if you don't know that the circumstances around Brian's life, it's just like, oh, this is another great issue. And he's telling the story, these wonderful characters. But a lot of us who know Brian or are tuned into the comics community or read the last two pages of this, will find out that Brian went through what Miles has gone through. He had this horrible infection in December. And I remember hearing about it and just like, what can we do? And there was there was nothing we could do. He has his friends and his family. We at Marvel were doing whatever we could. And for December, he almost died three times. And you get his whole story. I'm not really saying anything out of turn because it's all, it's all here on the page. Brian is so honest and so forthcoming. His life is what he puts into his comics. The characters, his world are reflections of things that he knows he loves. And so you get great stories in here of, of the people around him who helped him get through it and how that informed this being his last issue with Miles and, and this part of the Marvel Universe. He's done over 300 issues of Spider-Man. That's Peter Parker, his Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales stuff, miniseries, limited, various things. But 300 issues over 18 years that is a lot. You don't even need to read Spider-Man to get the importance of this issue. If you've never read a Miles Morales comic, I think you could pick this up and see how special the character is, the world is, uh, and everything that has been built around this. But definitely, hands down, one of my favorite issues this year. In addition to Brian's two pages, as a little tiny bit at the end, there's a nice note from 
editor Nick Lowe, who's been with Brian a very long time as his editor, just saying like, we love you. Bye. Oh, you threw me. I got a little heartbroken. Yeah. Hearing is he okay now? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. he's he's amazing. I talked to him a month ago. Oh great! Um, and I'll exchange notes with him every once in a while. But he's great, and I'm gonna be reading every single thing that he does for the rest of our lives because he's the best. Awesome. Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. He's got a little bit more. One more thing, maybe we'll see. But. I want to know what's some news going on this week, Jenny. Oh, well, we have on Marvel.com all kinds of stuff for you to look at. We have a trailer for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. We have, of course, Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and Wasp trailer, which is brand new this week. We also have some really fun new media stuff. We have the finale of Wolverine the Long Night coming up next week. Go to WolverinePodcast.com or Stitcher Premium and use code MARVEL to hear the whole dang thing. We also have Eat the Universe featuring Lyrica Okano from Marvel's Runaways. And Earth's Mightiest Show has a deleted scene from Marvel Studios' Black Panther. So go check that out. Hot dog. Hot uh, dog. Also, there's one of the, another really wonderful day coming up. Tomorrow. Ooh, what's that day? It is Free Comic Book Day. Heck yeah, Free Comic Book Day is one of my favorite days of the year. It is just a cool day for anyone to go to a comic book shop. You all should be going to a comic book shop as much as you can. More than I get to go to. But if you go regularly, go support your local comic book shop because they're going to see a lot of people coming in who don't normally come into the shop and they want to see their their favorite faces. The people who are there every Wednesday or every other Wednesday or once a month, they want to see them as well as the people who come in once a year. You know, maybe you meet a friend. I've made, I've like just chatted up random people during free comic book day. They're looking through quarter bins or looking at you know, toys on sale or whatever it is. And then you're just like, oh yeah, that thing's great. And then you're just like, yeah, best friends. Let's go get pizza. Yeah. Or if you're new to comics, seriously, think about just going to your local comic book store, find something, pick it up, dive right into that comics pool. Just go in one of these stores, check it out. Just dip your toe in, ask one of the very nice and smart people who works there to help you find something. And you know, we actually give you a a special... A uh, way to dive into our new books because we have two free comic book day offerings this year. Oh, we did the work for you. Look at this. Yeah, it's pretty great. The first one is an Avengers free comic book day issue by Jason Aaron, Sarah Pakelli, Justin Ponsor, which also has a Captain America story by Tanahasi Coates and Lanil Yu. So you definitely want to get that one. But then you also you got to you got to be like, hey, can I have two, please? And then you get the other one, which is Amazing Spider-Man free comic book day issue, which has a story by Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley. Cliff Rathburn and Laura Martin and the new Amazing Spider-Man team is going to wow you. It's got Spider-Man eating a burrito on the cover. Multitasking like crazy. He's got coffee. He's got a burrito. Oh, he's got. No, you know what? He's not eating a burrito. The coffee is what he has. You saw the coffee. I saw a burrito. (laughs) That says where our heads are at. I looked at it very briefly. This book also has uh, some really cool infinity stuff in it that you'll definitely want to check out. You get two books from us plus tons of other offerings like tons of comics you know your shop's gonna have stuff on sale it's really great go for the free stuff stay for the more stuff Ooh, more stuff yeah so you know talking about free comic book day jamie it is one of my favorite days of the year it brings so many people into comic book shops and and all the places because they just want to see all the free stuff and it's great but that means that the comic book shops need to staff up sometimes wouldn't it be great if they had something like a sort of 
zippy, recruity type service that can help them find the right people for the jobs. Well, actually, Ryan, there's something exactly like that, and it's called ZipRecruiter. What? Yes, ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. So all of those comic book store owners, they can find exactly what they need when they need it. Pretty quick, too. That's amazing. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in one single day. That's really fast. And since Free Comic Book Day is coming up really quickly, they'll be able to hire those staffers for Free Comic Book Day and for any time after that. And they'll be ready to start on day one. It's like that old adage that says the right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Oh, I love that old chestnut. Right? It's a classic. Brings about the good old days. Yeah. But, you know, right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. For free. Just like Free Comic Book Day. Oh, that's right. And who doesn't love free stuff? Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash week. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash week. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So our interview this week is with Mr. Brandon T. Snyder, author of Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, The Cosmic Quest, Volume 1, colon, The Beginning. Get that grammar in. Yes. Uh, no confusion here. Uh, un- unfortunately, you couldn't join me for this one, Jamie, but Brandon and I had a lively conversation. It was great. Oh, lovely. Yes. Lovely. Uh, he's, he's a trained improv comedian, author oh, of that's many right. books. Yes, he's also been on shows like Inside Amy Schumer, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, really old school comedy stuff. Yeah, he's he's got tons of, of cool gigs. And so his career is really fascinating. He, yeah. He's got the comedy stuff. He's also done tons of books for kids. He's done tons of like sort of manuals and behind the scenes, like really geeky, cool stuff about gadgets and tech in the comic book world. You know, sort of these guidebooks. He's written comics before. And now he's got, you know, he's got novels and he's got this story for Marvel. It was really neat. He was great to talk with. Yeah, I know he's done some theater too. He's just, he's got his hands in everything. And I love that with creators who just did get a little bit of everything. Heck yeah. So listen to that interview right now. Brandon T. Snyder. Woo! Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. We got it. We yeah. got to get some audio of that. Yeah. And just use it. Cause yeah. Can, can you roll on that? <laughs> Boom. Done. It's uh, going to cost you. Eh, we'll figure that out afterwards. Right. I think when you sign your Marvel contract, we got everything. Oh, man. Yes. But you are the author of two Marvel books. One of them, which is out now, right in front of me, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, The Cosmic Quest, Volume 1, colon, beginning? It's a, yes. It has a, actually, if you could just say the full name, Marvel's The Avengers Infinity War, The Cosmic Quest, Volume 1, The Beginning. Right, all of that. Yes, I just needed the whole title. Got it. And you're never going to guess, but the sequel, it's the end. The begin. It's like bookends. Yeah. What yeah. do we put in the middle? Yeah. Is all the book. What is the story of Cosmic Quest Volume One? So the Cosmic Quest Volume One is sort of like a. It's branded as the road to Avengers Infinity War, so it sits sort of around it and features the Grandmaster and the Collector searching for an Infinity Stone on nowhere. Mm. Um, and it's sort of, it's a mixture of things. Um, it's a little bit of a retelling of, of the story of the Infinity Stones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far. But it's also a story about the Collector and Grandmaster meeting for the first time after a long while with uh, that deals with power 
Um, they both come from positions of power that they have lost. So they're trying to figure out what the next step is. And uh, the collector has always been a fan, as we know, of the Infinity Stones. So when the Grandmaster shows up, he sort of eggs him into pursuing them. Yeah. Shenanigans. Shenanigans sure. ensue. They try not to to uh, strangle each other. That's part of it. Um, I don't know if you know this, but they have very strong personalities. They sure do. Yeah. Who do you have more fun writing, Grandmaster or Collector? Grandmaster. Yeah, why? Because Jeff Goldblum. I mean, like Jeff Goldblum's voice echoed in my head. And I'm still waiting to hear back about from the doctor to see uh, if I need to follow up with therapy. But um, he's such a presence. And as a matter of fact, when I started writing the book, Thor Ragnarok had not come out yet. I had only seen what was in the trailer. And uh, <laughs> even then, you know, there's so many Goldblumisms. Um, and I read the, I, I did eventually read the Thor Ragnarok script, but he's just such a weird guy. And he put so much stuff in the Grandmaster that was just so strange and bizarre and thrilling. Putting that on the page was very exciting for me. Yeah. There's a, uh, have you been to, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride? No, but I know what you're going to say, I think. There's the painting, painting of them. Yes, there is a sort of reference to that in the book. That painting was my inspiration during this whole... I love it. Yeah, it was like my my computer wallpaper, and I would sort of reference it. Because, you know, their relationship hasn't been explored yet. Yeah. You know, like having that first meeting, knowing that it's sort of monumental, was really cool. And that seeing that painting and the looks on their faces and just all the history between them um, was nice to sort of flesh out in this thing. So this is obviously the beginning. Yes. And it's how many stones? You get three stones, right? Yes. That we're really focused on. Yes. Time, power, and... Mind. And the mind. Yes. Um, like, how did you guys figure out which ones you want to focus on for this book? And I assume we'll get the next three yes. in the end. Yes. When I came onto this, Little Brown had been working with Marvel. So they sort of came up with the idea to do these stories that sat beside all that stuff. And one of the things that they wanted to do was retell the story of the Infinity Stones and give it some new shade. So that was a challenge um, to find ways to speak about the events of some of the films without just telling what happens in the movies. So one of the things we do, you know, Collector and Grandmaster travel through nowhere and kind of, you know, they're involved in the underworld. They're yeah. involved with all kinds of weird, seedy activities and people. So Every person they meet sort of shares a little bit more and illuminates a little bit more about the Infinity Stones, having possibly experienced them. One of the things, too, that I liked is that these two guys are liars, and they, they are in a world of liars and cheaters and thieves. So you might find some stuff out and go, ooh, but it, is it true? We don't know. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, a little, that's fun. You're actually have a unique perspective because you get to deal with the stones so much. You yeah. have a lot more insight than anyone else because you're writing sort of these histories yeah. of the stones. Which stone would you want to have? The oh, most? man. First of all, I love, the, I love the way that the cinematic universe puts them in these casings and housings. I think that was a great way to give them some new flair and flavor so that we don't necessarily see them coming. We're like, oh, it's just a set. Oh, mm. oh, it's just, a, oh, the Tessar. Oh, it's really this big. I mean, the Mind Stone is interesting. <laughs> but that's a really, that's a difficult question. Because the Time Stone too, I mean, I, I, maybe the Time Stone for me. Mm. You know, Doctor Strange was a great movie. And the visuals were incredible. I would love to see those visuals. Not necessarily 
alter time forever. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I just want to go on a, a crazy trip. Sure. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, what was the process like of getting this gig? Because it's a pretty cool job. It is a very cool job. So I work with Mary-Kate Gaudet and Russ Bussey at Little Brown Books, and I've done a bunch of stuff with them. Mary-Kate asked me to write this and they had already had some things like I said in place where you know their job was to the job for the book was to tell the story using Grandmaster and Collector so then I was sort of went off to the races I put together a story featuring Marvel characters I in the original pitch because I wasn't sure exactly how far I could take things and where we could go so I was like what if I did this like psychological thriller with just the collector and grandmaster in collector's museum, like for one crazy night, just like going at each other. Like, and I use the term a cosmic frost Nixon. <laughs> we didn't end up doing that. But once we had a conversation with the studio and the studio was like, create new stuff. We would love that. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so that's sort of where it went. Um, but the studio was really great and they were really responsive and, and very happy with what we created, which was nice. That's amazing. Uh, it's not the only Marvel work that you've done or are doing uh, because you have Girl Batman coming as yes. well uh, with artist Jessica Vaughn in her Abner. Yes. Uh, and it looks adorable. It's super cute. Yeah. It's really, really cute. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. When I was seeing the art, I was like, oh, this is like precious. <laughs> this is something that like, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a really simple story about Scott Lang and Cassie. I believe it comes with a fold-out, like, growth thing Aww. so that you can track your growth, your child's growth, the growth of your petunias, whatever sure. whatever you want. Yeah. Um, there are cameos in Grow Up Ant-Man from all of the Avengers. I feel like it's a nice little thing to give a kid in your life. Jessica's stuff is, is really cool. Yeah. She does this great thing, and I'm going to have her do it. She'll draw Ant-Man into the real world uh -huh. so it's like a picture of her and then the like ant-man is like on her desk so i was like i gotta take a bunch of pictures and then she can draw ant-man into my world but then i was like oh do i do like stuff where i just like stick my hand out and i'm like staring at my hand like oh ant-man i was like oh, i don't want to do something it's like an like 80s that. uh like sitcom yes still like the sick we can film that sitcom here in this space yeah brennan what is your marvel origin story how'd you get into marvel comics i mean Gosh, the, you know that nostalgia is a, a major force in so many things. My first exposure was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I loved Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And I loved the characters would make cameos. And I always wanted so much more. So, you know, I would watch like Seven Little Superheroes is one of the episodes where they had like Namor. And I remember, I mean, even now I can quote lines. There's a moment where like Namor like falls into this thing and he thinks it's water. And he's like, it's alcohol. <laughs> it's drying me out. Drawing the moisture from my body. I mean, like these are things that are imprinted in my brain. And then, of course, the X-Men yeah. cartoon. That's how it all began. And then over the years, you know, there was a period of time where I was definitely a collector more than a reader. So that would sort of wax and wane where it was like I get really into reading X-Men where I did like I took like an, a monologue from there's an episode or an episode, an issue of X Factor. I think it's the first one. It was in Peter David's run where they go to Doc Samson. To Doc Samson. And yeah, Joe Quesada. Joe's art. art. Oh, yeah. I cut Quicksilver's thing into a monologue that I used for an audition in high school. And I remember my teacher being like, oh, that was so interesting. What's that from? And I was like, X Factor? 
Like I said, it like, like well, she had no idea. Yeah. But yeah, the, I would go, I would do major reading phases and then I would do like major things where I was sort of just, I got to collect everything. I read a fraction of it and then I collected it. Years ago, like I spent the time and the energy getting these great container store. I have like a, it's like a huge wall of just trades and it's like, it makes me feel so good. It makes me feel very accomplished because I'm like, look at all my ledges. <laughs> They're beautiful. Uh, a couple of years ago, you wrote a Muppet joke book, right? I did. Who's your favorite Muppet? You know, I like animal. Okay. I like a chaotic energy with with my Muppets. I mean, outside of like the, the core. Yeah. I mean, I could say Fozzie because there's a comedy thing that I sympathize with. You know, he just like wants a joke to land. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the chemistry between Kermit and Piggy when they're hot, they're hot. And when they're not, they're not. Um, but like, I like animal. I like that animal can just drop into a situation and mess things up. 100%. To write that book, I consumed every ounce of Muppet television and film. That's like one of my dreams. In a very short amount of time, too. It was like a marathon of just me like, because uh, I was combing through looking for like, so, you know, all of the material. And it was just like, I think... I want to say it took me like a week. And at the time I had a I had a full-time job. So I would come home and just like make a list and just go through and just looking for you know sometimes there were joke jokes and sometimes there were things to like sort of situations to adapt into a joke. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing too like they you know there's so much conversation. It's not all shtick. Yeah. And then there's also entertainment. Watching the old Muppet shows, like, it was an entertainment experience. It, it's one of my favorite things. Like, I haven't gotten the DVDs, but I, I should just do it. I was thinking about it this past weekend. For some reason, I was just thinking about the Muppet show and how much I love it. Yeah. And how good those episodes were and how, like, the guests. And it was oh, yeah. very of the time, but it's still, you could put it on now and just, it'll crush. They just, like, respect art. I mean, you see the people that they have on, they're artists and dancers and like the Mumenshans, like they didn't just have like the Kardashians on, you yeah. know what I mean? Like at the time, like they didn't just have pop culture presences there. It was yeah. like, here are people with an art, you know, uh, an artistic flair that we want the world to see. They weren't just like, here's a reality star. <laughs> like it was just so inventive that. You know, uh, he's such a visionary. What a, a genius, truly. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap up, but uh, you have a comedy background, an improv background. I do. How does that influence the way you write kid stories or when you're working on, obviously when you're working on comedies like Inside Amy Schumer, but, you know, how does that influence, especially the superhero stuff? You know, for kids, I don't like to write down to kids. So, like, when I present something that is more of a serious moment or something that has a lot of meaning, it's nice to be able to break it with a joke um, and to take it. So it isn't just like, here is a a very heavy situation. Um, I'm working on the second Cosmic Quest book right now, and the cast is much different. Dr. Eric Selvig makes a return. And there are some heavier moments that I was writing today. And it was nice because of some of the other cast members to break those moments with something a bit lighter because you know you get the power and impact of what's happening and what's being said and then it's like okay but everything's going to be okay um and i feel like for me comedy has been a great savior during dark times i think sometimes comedy comes from darker places so it's nice to be able to find ways to present funny moments um to a younger audience without speaking down to them yeah i like that it's really yeah. sweet 
It's cool. Uh, Brandon, where can fans find you on social media, online, and learn more about stuff that you're doing? You can find me at Brandon T. Snyder. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, and I have a Facebook author page. I'll be appearing at the Union Square Barnes & Noble on May 5th at 2 p.m. I'm doing a book signing, and there'll be a talk back with New York Magazine, Vulture, Abraham Reisman. Abe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, and otherwise, then I'll also be working on the Cosmic Quest Volume 2 in my spare time. <laughs> so when I'm not uh, doing everything else, I'll be crying in my office. Fantastic. Pulling my hair out. And we look forward to the tears staining the pages. Oh and, my gosh, uh, I'm hoping be great. I'm hoping to keep that a limited, uh, limited number. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for having me. All right, now it's time for a community segment. I'm going to start things off with an email we got, okay. Jamie. This one came in from our friend Jason Kim, who's in Hawaii. Aloha. He says, dear Ryan and Jamie, in honor of free comic book day, may I ask if you guys can give shout outs to three comic shops that are, one, awesome, and two, owned by very awesome people. Jason, we are here to serve. So three shout outs for you. First one is for Dragon's Lair on Oahu, which is Jason's. LCS. We've given them a shout out before. They are awesome. Their owners are Lucas and Randy. Maui's Comics and Collectibles. The owner there is Alika. And Cowabunga Comic in, where is this, Jamie? Okanamawak, Wisconsin. Heck yeah. The owners there are Eric and James. Jason, this is the best email. I love this so much. I would love to hear from more of our Twimamaniacs, This Week of Marvel listeners. Mm -hmm. Give us some of your favorite, your, your comic shops. I want to shout them out. So, Hashtag them this week at Marvel. Every week, I would love to pick a comic shop to shout out and that give them some awesome. love. Yeah. Uh, and Jamie, you have a local comic shop, don't you? I do. Not in my Brooklyn neighborhood, but in my old old school Long Island neighborhood in Smithtown, New York. I want to give a shout out to Fourth World Comics, also a favorite of our very own Ron Richards. I've been there. It's a great yeah. shop. It's cool there. Heck yeah. Uh, I, I'm also going to go Long Island and give a shout out to Superhero Comics on Jericho Turnpike in oh, Floral word. Park. Represent. Represent. But thank you, Jason. That was a great one. Again, anyone listening, tweet us, email us. Oh, how can they email us? They can email twimpodcast at marvel.com or use the hashtag this week in Marvel on Twitter. Let us know your favorite comic book shops to give a shout out to. Now, we've got our tweets coming in here from... Dr. Underscore Crocogator. He says, I'm way behind on my This Week in Marvel podcast, but Tucker and Ryan brought up alligators versus crocodiles in Pull List episode 11. I've spent a huge part of my life studying them, so I made this helpful graphic. By the way, both separated from lizards hundreds of millions of years ago. Oh, so they're like barely cousins. I guess. And he, he has this graphic and it's... Uh, I am very fascinated by this. Well, I'll, I'll get to more of this in a second. Crocodile has a wedge-shaped snout, bottom teeth sticking out. The alligator has a rounded snout with an overbite. So it's vastly different. You can see more of it from Alex, but choice tweet from Tucker where he calls them power geckos, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense it doesn't have to but guys please include me on this thread yeah. i'm really fascinated not by alligators and crocodiles but evolution in general and how these species came to diverge and develop their own kinds of jaws but I, how would they find you how would they include you what is your twitter name oh i suppose you'd like my twitter handle it is jamie frevely which is my name j-a-m is in mary i-e f is in frank r is in robert e v is in victor e l is in larry e and, and so east that whole thing is her Twitter name. You have to. It is my. It's it's my name. My, it's my flipping J -A -M, name. J A M, and then M again, 
A-S-I-N-M-A-R-Y-I-E. It's exactly right. right. We move on to, uh, there's a tweet in here from Brian V. Klein, who loves Marvel Comics and wants us to talk about more stuff on This Week in Marvel, like box office and various things. Well, Brian, listen to this episode. We talked about all the things. Very excited. One thing I didn't get to talk about is I got the first episode of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger in my inbox. Oh my. To watch. And I'm going to do that this week. I'm very excited. So no one bother Ryan. He's watching Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Yesterday I was watching Kevin Smith's stand-up special and that was for work. It's great. This is life. It's a cool job to have. I was reading Guardians of the Galaxy all day yesterday for something and mm-hmm. uh, it was fine. I was fine with it. It was great. Also great, Joshua Cooper tweets, theater employee just warned me to stay through the credits of Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War. I'm thinking, son, I've been doing this since before you could write your own name. Don't tell me my business. Well, you know what, Joshua? All I got to say is the person was just being helpful. They don't know you. They don't know you've been around since the shawarma days. Yeah, probably pre-shawarma. Probably pre-shawarma. And I I saw, sadly, like two people get up and leave before the end credits were done. In my screening. And that was opening night. Y'all know. They have no idea. Simon Williams, bunch of tweets as always. Love you, Simon. Uh, One says, there was more humor in Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War than I expected. It was also darker than I expected. I think it's safe to say it exceeded all of our expectations. I think that's totally fair. I think it was way more hilarious and way more than not at all hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Last tweet of the week. Lex Pendragon asking, wait, Jamie Frevely is a Trekkie. Where have you been all my podcast? Signed, the guy who named his daughter Majel. Live long and prosper, Lex Pendragon. Uh, I'm doing it. I can do it with both hands. You can't see it. You can't see it on a podcast, but I can see that. I'm doing it too. No, you. I'm just, yeah, this is it, right? These are not the hand signals you're looking for. Oh, look at that. Huh? Huh? All right. Don't try to out nerd me when it comes to star things. All right, before we sign off on this episode, we need to get our question of the week out there. And I think a good one will be, now that many of you have seen Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War, what is your favorite non-spoilery moment? You can dance around it. You can use emojis if you tweet to us. You can send it in an email because that'll just be private. uh, And then we'll figure out how to say it on air. But we would love... We'll just redact things like they do in the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we want to know what your favorite moment from Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War is. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter or email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com, which I will get the two of you in this room with me on that email list really soon. So I have to stop <laughs> forwarding you the emails. That would be great. <laughs> look, I have to fill out forms oh, to do that. Yeah, I understand. It's forms like, are terrible. I want to be outside doing construction. All right. Yeah. Getting fresh air. Actually, I don't. I burn really easily. And I just sweat a lot. It's really disgusting. This has been Sweat Talk (laughs) with Ryan and Jamie. And uh, I was going to apologize, but you know what? No apologies. No apologies. Just deal with it. It's a fun rambling episode. I'm done apologizing. That's right. I'm Ryan. I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe. (laughs) 